Conversation cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicon, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this, the 24th day of January, 2023. A Titanic Tuesday, that is. This is The Horn. Head on live. It's where you'll find us on the interweb, too. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Merry Wacky's any real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza that is The Horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between and the Great Globe Round, and whatever time it happens to be when you're listening to the podcast, wherever and whenever you are. You know, welcome. Uh, if your universal translators are working, welcome to the amorphous multi limb uh, aliens of Norblap 9. I hope this is uh, not dooming the human species as you try to sort out the. Uh, the, 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 the wackiness and the wildness that takes place here. I'm just saying, I for one welcome our alien overlords. Hi, I'm Robin, and like I said, it's Titanic Tuesday, and uh, you know, sometimes I look at the news and I think, you know what? You have no business being behind the microphone this evening. But I do it anyway, because I can. So we will we will we will get after all of that. But every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. By the way, uh, like I said, if you want to be part of the Merry Madcap, etc., run on over to HeadOn.Live, click on chat room, pick yourself out a screen name and a password if you never have before. And uh, the early arrivers who will greet you this afternoon are Squeaky and Kim in New York City. Hi, Kim. Hey, Squeaky, and capably moderated by a longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator, Sparky, who, because he is a third-stage guild navigator, has folded space to become man cave, and he is capably assisted by Horn Chief Agronomist and Head Mathematician and Bud Trimmer Emeritus, Roger, in Oregon. Hey, everybody. Like I said, every program here begins with gratitude, and so we begin with thanks to our 23rd day of the month, PayPal subscribers, thank you so very kindly for all that you do. Um, that means thank you to Josh. Thank you, Josh, so very kindly for being a partial sponsor of the program and helping to keep this all going. Um, oh, okay, noises. 
uh, Josh is our loan sponsor on the 24th day of the month. And, uh, no, no, he's not. Uh, I missed it. Hey, Samson, shame on me. Sorry. So I, some the icons on PayPal are weird, and sometimes it looks like Josh and Samson there. And so thank you both. Thank you both for helping keep all of this going. And uh, thanks as well to our dear friend uh, David in uh, Oregon. Thank you. So um, the fundraising goal stands at an even six hundred dollars. Uh, that would be yesterday's broadcast and today's. That's pretty close to being caught up, and it's inspiring. Um, we are, uh, well, trying to pay down the power bill, and it sucks. Uh, but that's that's where we are. Uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish right now. Um, oh, there's Anatole popping into the chat room. Hey, Anatole. So... Uh, I don't know. I, I probably won't because, you know, I don't take days off. But I've been thinking about maybe doing a long weekend next weekend. Um, not, this is not a, this is not a, uh, I don't know. It, whatever it is, it isn't. Um, my birthday is a week from today. And it's a big one. It's a large birthday. In many ways, it's a birthday I thought I'd never see. Um, and I've been trying to think of, you know, I don't want to just take the, take a Tuesday off. That's kind of meaningless. Um, I thought about taking a long weekend, but then I'd be coming back and wait. I'm probably not going to do anything. Um, I'll figure out something. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it, I'm in a mood. I'm sorry. I mean, that's not to say I'm in a shitty mood or... Uh, I'm just in a mood. Um, had a little bit of sunshine today. That was so nice. Um, cold, but some sunshine. And uh, I think I think what's bothering me the most is, and I feel weird for saying that I'm bothered by it because. God knows there are a lot of people who are a hell of a lot more bothered by it than I am, and for damn good reason. I had just shut down the program yesterday. And if this tells you anything, it was like, oh, I, I thought I saw that. No, I didn't see that. Oh, hell. So I was no sooner off the air than I found out that there had been another outbreak of Second Amendment freedom. Uh, in this case, in Half Moon Bay in San Mateo, California, about 30 miles south of San Francisco. God, Matt, I kind of hope you're not listening. Because um, that's awfully near home. And I, for somebody who has done this as long as I have, I cannot be immune to it. And I'm try I'm trying for all I'm worth to figure out a different way to talk about it. Not for marketing purposes. We don't have any marketing here. 
Not for artistic purposes. There's nothing artistic about this. I think it is simply a matter of trying to figure out some way to sort out some degree of existential sense. And it ain't working. And so the last two mass shootings have had a sort of a, sort of a, I guess a new component. Um, well, thank you, Roger. Uh, Kim in New York in the chat room just said, hi, quiet day in the chat room. Roger says, yeah, Robin hasn't set anybody off yet. A big smile. Oh. (laughs) But (laughs) trying not to trigger anyone. Really trying hard. But I think I'm getting triggered out of me. Just because I can't end a, I, I can't end a program without a new mass shooting popping up. And Annette and I were talking last night as the news was breaking about Half Moon Bay. And she said, uh, "You remember this, dear?" She said, "Feels a little like a civil war, doesn't it?" You did say. I've been saying it for a long time. Hi, Annette. She's been saying it for a long time, if you didn't catch that. She's a little ways over there. Feels like someone's shooting at us, and we're not shooting back, but in this it, but in this case, well, possibly in both of the two cases in California, they were, um, they had a domestic component to them, you know, an older man pissed off at spouse, former lover, whatever, and decides to... And then, of course, the guy in San Mateo was um, taken in with uh, not a lot of Sturm und Drang. And in both instances, they are... Attacks within minority communities perpetrated by members of the minority community. And it just leaves me flabbergasted. I mean, we can, we can go through the, we can go, we can go through the horrifying facts. And as I was processing last night, I came, I came to the conclusion, okay, uh, we can, we can, you know, maybe, maybe it was a domestic. There's no, there's no, ex, there's no excuse for a domestic disagreement to lead to murder, mass murder. And I keep coming back to it, and I'm sure it would give uh, Republicans, Libertarians, maggots. Uh, you know, right wingers generally a terrible, terrible, sad to say this, but in the end, it was the access to the firearms that made the mass murder possible. Because, well, he couldn't have done it with a musket, and he would have hard been hard pressed to do it with a sword or 
a slingshot or his bare hands. In the case of uh, in the case of the guy in in, in Half Moon Bay, it was a pistol, just a semi-automatic pistol, probably a double stack affair. That, you know, Glocks often are capable of holding 15, 17 rounds. So we don't have the, we don't have the AR-15 to kick around in this case, y'all. There's something... There's something broken about us. The access to the easy access to firearms, because I'm quite sure this guy was a lawful gun owner. Um, but. It, it's the combination of some sort of. Existential crisis on a sort of national level with the fact that you can get something to really, really work out your homicidal frustrations that results in in, in a situation where we can have more we, we have more mass shootings in twenty twenty three than there are days in twenty twenty three. And you can't explain that. Well, you know, that's just you know, it's just dumb luck, bad luck. You know, just yeah, you know, it'll even out. I don't think it will. We've had too many. One mass shooting is one mass shooting too many. And yet here we are. And I'm just. Um, I'm at a loss, and and if you're Gavin Newsom, whom I deeply respect, you know, and he's been on a grief tour, he was barely done in Monterey Park, and well, away he has to go to Half Moon Bay. I'm, so, I mean, there, is is there any is there any news to cover in any of this? I need a little help here. Is there anything to say? I want it to stop. And I want to find ways to make it stop. But as was the case talking with Tracy last night, it, you know, who's 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 gonna who's gonna give us a sane Congress with the power to do the stopping? What's going to convince 
the pasty-faced, doughy old white dudes who run, not walk nor crawl to the polls to vote for whichever guy is shooting, I don't know, a Prius with a machine gun in his political ads come November of whatever election year it is. How do we get a sane government, how do we get a sane Congress out of voters in Mississippi? Um, I'm sending, the program's going out, right? This really screws with my head when I get notes saying, throw the third switch, Robin, at 15 minutes after the program started. Brother Deacon? Yeah? Apparently we're... Yeah? Tell me when I'm on the air, please? <sighs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Brother Deacon. Needed that. Program going out just fine. Okay. Good, good, good. Thank you, Lee in New York. I hear you. Head on dot live. Thank you. Uh, I don't disagree with him. Flavio letting me know that Governor Gavin Newsom said the Second Amendment is becoming a suicide pact. I'm not superstitious religious, says Flavio, but I can't help but think this country is demonically possessed. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push back on that. There's nothing out there that says demons have to be supernatural sometimes the fully unfortunately human form are sufficient kind of like that little old bible verse sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof and it's not even Wednesday hey uh, a couple of notes well hey Sylvie haven't heard from Sylvie in a while. Uh, Sylvie says, uh, my dear Robin, I just heard your What the Fuck Wednesday podcast. That's what I named it last week. Remember, that was the day that SB 252 got announced here in West Virginia. I just heard your What the Fuck Wednesday podcast, and I'm shocked. I researched the information, and it is as bad as you say. Come to New Mexico. We're a blue state, and we'll stay that way. We aren't West Virginia, but the scenery's still beautiful. Santa Fe is at 7,000 feet altitude, and we have many beautiful mountain towns where you'd be welcomed and sheltered. Our cost of living in such towns is low, and rents as well. Please do not stay in West Virginia. I know you want to fight, but so did many Jews in the 1930s. Please come here. We will shelter you. That's beautiful, Sylvie. Thank you. Thank you so and if the truth be told, um, I've been looking at New Mexico. Um, I've got I've got friends out there. I've got a beloved daughter out there, and a and a two and a half year old little boy that I have never met. My grandson. He needs to know his grandmother. Um, honestly, I've been. I don't know if I could breathe at 7,000 feet, Sylvie. <gasps> now, my one, my one, my one trip to uh, above 10,000 feet in Utah years and years and years ago, I thought I was dying. Um, 
And then, I, and this is back before I quit smoking. Then I noticed it took 15 minutes for my cigarette to burn. I was like, ah, no oxygen. But no, seriously. I, but I'll tell you where I have been looking. Um, because I asked my dear friend Dr. John, uh, one of the one of our uh, PayPal partial sponsors of the program, and a dear dear friend. I said, if a girl wanted to go to New Mexico but never wanted to be cold. Where would she go? And Dr. John was pretty quick on the draw. And he said, she would go to Silver City, New Mexico. That's where she'd go. So I fired up Google Earth, and I went looking at Silver City. and it looks like a pretty nice place. It wouldn't be impossible. an impossible drive from Albuquerque where I could take a wrong turn trying to find my daughter's house. I'm giving it more serious consideration than, uh, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, so it was reassuring to hear from uh, the advocacy group that nobody's really particularly worried about SB 252 becoming law. At least not this session. But it's the general opening of hatred the encouragement of hatred that I find perhaps even more uh, more frightful. But I love uh, uh, I love I love the I love the state the, the welcoming and warm and kind statement, Sylvie. Thank you, dear. And Kyle uh, dropped a line. Hey, Kyle. I think the whole culture shock thing the GOP is doing to drive this entire country crazy is working. Also, it's the fucking gun, stupid. Sigh. We can't even go a day without multiple mass shootings. I often find it difficult to be optimistic about any future in this country as a result. Just horrible. Well, I think that's what... No no pushback, Kyle. I think that's what Annette was talking about when she said it feels like a civil war. The thing is, it feels like an asymmetrical civil war where one side's doing all the shooting and the other side's doing all the dying. Although, although I should note, this being Titanic Tuesday and all, I do have a story in the stack uh, that's got some real bruga, bruga, bruga potential about it. Uh, the Georgia recorder with a story saying, uh, leaders in Georgia are ready for action after protests. Of, we've got a bigger story in Georgia, but I'm going to go here first. After protests over an Atlanta police public safety training facility erupted into violence and vandalism last week, including thrown Molotov cocktails, a patrol car set ablaze, a 26-year-old protester killed, and a state trooper shot. You'll notice how the dead protester doesn't get top billing. The dead protester is third behind Molotov cocktails and a burning police car. Georgia Republican Attorney General Chris Carr announced on Monday that he is preparing a case to bring domestic terrorism and multiple other felony charges against protest. I'm turning into Rush Limbaugh. Why is this happening? Who escalated a peaceful march into violence.
Carr, along with Governor Brian Kemp and other lawmakers, said protesters who caused damage to property in downtown Atlanta are facing serious felony charges that could serve as a warning to others who might escalate peaceful demonstrations to law-breaking. There's a lot of people in Atlanta that do not want the largest urban warfare against civilians training facility in the entire country to be built in the middle of a forest that is largely in the midst of communities of color against whom, of course, the urban warfare tactics and training being done there will be used. It's almost kind of like it's a, a cop school of America's being school of the America's being built in downtown Hotlanta. Protesters clashed with police in downtown Atlanta on Saturday night, destroying a police car and breaking windows and bank branches in a Peachtree Street office tower. In what police say represents the worst of stop cop city opposition for the new training facility. You know, the urban warfare training facility. Tensions heightened after the scene turned deadly on Wednesday when a Georgia State trooper was shot. Again, the trooper gets top billing for just getting shot. And 26-year-old protester Manuel Esteban Paez Terran was shot and killed by troopers during a sweep to clear campers from Atlanta's Entrenchment Creek Park. The 60-acre woods inside DeKalb County has had protesters who call themselves forest defenders encamped for more than a year. Who call themselves? No, fuck no. They are forest defenders. Because the, the, the various and sundry corporate sponsors, the, the, the donors to this nightmare, uh, this, this, this nightmare training facility for urban warfare against civilians, uh, you know, Delta, I think Home Depot, maybe Lowe's, well, they certainly aren't interested in defending the forest. They want to destroy the forest. I... And so the Attorney General is going to start prosecuting people for exercising their First Amendment rights to petition the government for redress of grievances. The Attorney General of Georgia said, here we have this group that has for over a year uh, has been illegally sitting on this here property and has been trying to stop the process of ensuring the community and law enforcement officers are safe and it's gone on long enough. I'm confident that the facts will show that these folks have engaged in DT. Donald Trump? And it provides for serious punishment and for longer term if convicted. Oh, domestic terrorism, sorry. I, it, it creeped me out too, Flavio. Jesus, Robin, for a second there, I thought I'd tuned into the EIB network or something. You do an uncannily good Rush Limbaugh, but let's not call his ghost from the crypt, shall we? 
Oh, he can't get through the pineapples, Fabio. <laughs> Lee caught it too. Stop rushing. Step away from the oxycodone. One rush was one too many. I know. Hey. Uh, let's see. Thank you to Tom in sunny San Rafael, loud and clear. Thank you, Tom. And thank you to Don in BC. Works on Apple Music in Prince George. Ralph says, I'm hearing you. Lee says, I'm hearing you. So thank you for that. Much obliged. Yes, um, I am. How do I explain this? I'd send one to stream. Other places pick it up. Um, Don in British Columbia is hearing the uh, Apple Music uh, stream. Uh, Randy Radar, of course, I guess you can't hear me. You, you don't. Randy says you're not broadcasting on Apple Music. Used to be iTunes. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> Don says so. Um, on the other hand, buried in this Georgia recorder story is the fact that five, uh, five Atlanta-area physicians who participate in social justice organizations as well have written a letter saying that the police's response and the, and, and the narrative they are, uh, that they're broadcasting are entirely typical and because the cops are using, of course, um, tear gas, rubber bullets, obviously live ammunition. Uh, the Georgia Human Rights Clinic co-directors and doctors Michael Corey and Amy Zayden were among those who signed the letter that said, this fits within the context of a disturbing pattern and threat to public health whereby the USA has one of the highest incarceration rates in the world perpetuated by a judicial and legislative system that targets black and indigenous peoples, migrants, those living in poverty, those who are unhoused, as well as environmental and social activists. And uh, the article goes on to note, for reasons I do not fully understand, um, the people arrested in downtown Atlanta over the weekend and during an earlier sweep of the disputed parkland are all nearly all are, are nearly all white and in their early twenties. Good. That that means there's some hope. That means that these young white people are figuring out the nature of the system. But never mind, the fascist Republican government of the state of Georgia says that uh, uh, maybe they should tighten restrictions on rallies and protests. You know, the First Amendment. The First Amendment that apparently protects some Karen from having to design a website for a gay couple but doesn't protect the rights of free speech of people aggrieved by, you know, gigantic police urban warfare centers in the middle of downtown Atlanta. The Georgia legislature is even thinking about uh, creating civil penalty, uh, uh, criminal penalties for people who are in the crowd who don't do anything illegal. 
And of course, if it goes up to Washington, I'm sure our most puissant dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesties, will say, well, that is a perfectly good time, place, and manner restriction. But Brian Kemp is bragging about the cops who managed to kill a 26-year-old protester. Law enforcement demonstrated how quickly we shut down those trying to import violence from other states and will continue to do so. That's just another way of putting on your George Wallace and saying, we will not tolerate these here outside agitators coming in here to work up our... Yeah, you know how it went. Uh, there's a Republican state senator named John Albers who said, You do not have the right to squat on private property. You do not have the right to vandalize patrol cars or private property. You do not have the right to assault a citizen or a law enforcement officer. <sighs> what about the community? that this is being dropped into the middle of. I mean, I know my Atlanta neighborhoods pretty well. Why not drop this into, uh, oh, I don't know, the Argonne Forest neighborhood off of West Paces Ferry? Oh, I know why. Because from there you can throw a rock and hit the Georgia governor's mansion. This shit, whether it's a petrochemical plant or a mountaintop removal operation or a coal prep plant or a frack gas pad, is never, ever, ever put anywhere that it would inconvenience or otherwise intimidate our betters. It always goes into the marginalized minority communities. Wonder what they're going to do at their urban warfare training facility. I wonder how, wonder, I wonder, I wonder how nice uh, it will be living next to a facility like that. Probably be a lot of gunfire. I, um, I don't know, but it's sickening. The, the other story coming out of Georgia that I mentioned, of course, uh, we all kind of with bated breath waited to see what would happen um, today when there was a, a hearing over the uh, grand jury in Fulton County, headed up by the Fulton County District Attorney, Fonnie Willis, Thanks for the pronouncer on that, Ron and Raleigh. I appreciate it. Um, we were expecting to find out, you know, will she or won't she charge, among others, Nitwit Nero. Nitwit Nero's petty foggers have said she's clearly not going to charge uh, 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 the God Emperor because they never called him to testify. Oh, you idiots! What would have been the point of Fawny Willis subpoenaing Nitwit Nero? Look at all the fun she had just trying to serve a subpoena 
on on that 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 little senatorial hobbit uh, Lindsey Graham. I swear, I think she must wear a petite. But in a hoop skirt, of course. Yay, says Ralphs. I'm not hearing a commercial 30 minutes into your show. Winning. It's good to know. Uh, but it, it, it kind of turned into a bit of a bust because the uh, the judge presiding over the hearing um, said he was going to reserve a decision on whether to make the grand jury report public. But District Attorney Fonnie Willis did say that uh, she thinks she's got the got the goods if she decides to prosecute Nitwit Nero. But she went on to say that making the grand jury investigation report uh, might prejudice the trial for anyone she does choose to charge. And that's not an unreasonable statement. That's actually... That, feel, that feels like good prosecutorial conduct to me. Uh, so far, Fonnie Willis's office has the only copy of the results of the grand jury's investigation. I presume that uh, Judge Robert McBurney has at least seen it. And in a further... Watch this space notice. Uh, Bonnie Willis said, I have to be mindful of protecting future defendants' rights. We want to make sure that everyone is treated fairly, and we say for future defendants to be treated fairly, it's not appropriate at this time to have this report released. But then she said, decisions are imminent. And this really is a convoluted process, because even if she decides to charge... That means she has to march back in front of a grand jury and present the whole thing all over again to the grand jury in order to get an indictment of whoever it is that she thinks has broken the law of the state of Georgia in regard to the election in 2020. And she said individuals, multiple. Some 18 folks have been told they, they are, could potentially face charges. And that includes uh, old Grecian formula, uh, old running Grecian formula dude, Rudy Giuliani. McBurney himself at the end of the hearing said, this is not simple. I think the fact that we had to discuss this for 90 minutes shows that it is somewhat extraordinary. Partly what ex- what's extraordinary is what's at issue here, the alleged inter- interference with a presidential election. And went on to say that if he does order it released, he will, do, he will give the prosecutor's office notice. He said, no one's going no to wake up with the court having disclosed the report on the front page of the newspaper. And there seems to be a certain degree of agreement that Nitwit Nero might find his first indictment coming from Georgia and not New York or D.C. So watch this, uh, <laughs> watch this space. As I said, the idiot pettifoggers said that, said that there are no, guys in the clear. 
Uh, therefore, we can assume, uh, and is, is this the lawyer for the parking garage? I'm not sure. Uh, we can assume that the grand jury did their job and looked at the facts in the law, and as we have, and concluded there were no violations of the law by President Trump. I, I, I think that was probably written for his benefit, don't you? Feels like it. I know. I know. Hey, Kyle. Kyle says, Jesus fucking Christ, more worried about the goddamn property than the people killed by police again. And then, don't be giving me any false hope there, Robin. Oh, no, this is not the false hope program. No, this is is Robin, little ray of fucking sunshine. But I'm daring to think that she just may be the, 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 the woman for the job. When everyone else has had such a hard time sticking, uh, screw, screwing their courage to the sticking place. All right, we're going to back away from the serious stuff for just a minute because I have some, I have some high quality two hundred proof stupid. Stupid, of course, has not been in short supply, especially since the onset of. Uh, uh, the uh, Trump pandemic. Stupid has in fact blossomed in this country. Well, or sprouted. Like mushrooms after a warm spring rain. And God, I can't wait until we have warm spring rains. And a little. That may be part of the funk I'm in. I'm just so sick of winter. But then. But it's, you know. I was talking to somebody the other day, and it's like, and they're like, you know, realistically, I mean, there's four seasons and everything, but winter start. Winter's like six months long here, and it is. It starts like the day after Thanksgiving, and it goes until mm, the first week of April, and it gets a little wearisome. Um, now, it, why did I go there? Shh, stop it. You don't want to live in my head. But no. <laughs> stupid. Definitely stupid. Lots and lots of stupid. And so, given the fact that after he had his on field cardiac arrest, DeMar Hamlin became the source, or not the source, but the subject. Of lots and lots of stupid. Drive you to drink levels of stupid. I'll see also conspiracy theories. At first it was, all these young athletes getting heart attacks after they had the, after they had the vaccine. Prosecute Fauci! Which is just music to say Jim Jacket off Jordan's ears. Well, his on-field cardiac arrest was January the 2nd. Thanks to prompt, competent, heroic intervention, he survived. 
despite all the tweets about, he should never have, have taken the vaccine. Why couldn't he just have been rubbing some hedgehog antifungal paste on under his tongue? That would have taken care of it. If not that, he could have drank a couple of glasses of pee-pee. That sets everybody right. Until, of course, this past weekend's divisional playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They played. It was a home game for Buffalo. And Mar Hamlin is not cleared to play yet. But on the Bills' official Twitter account, they showed video of DeMar Hamlin wearing, uh, showing up at the stadium, wearing dark glasses. He had his hood up. That's a clue. And uh, then later on, there was another video of DeMar Hamlin in what appeared to be an enclosed suite, you know, one of those box suites that you have at the stadium. And he was applauding his teammates. And it showed it showed DeMar Hamlin from a profile, but he still had his hood up. That's another clue. Broga, broga. Aye. Narf. Derp. And, and, and then when they showed him from the front, his face was obscured by the pouring down rain. And that's where it started. All of a sudden it was, that's not the real DeMar Hamlin. It's a body double. And bless his heart, he was having no part of it. I'm proud of him for this. Uh, Somebody had painted a mural of him on a wall there in Buffalo, and he stood next to it with his, you know, Bill's warm-ups on. And he tweeted the picture with the word clone and the ninja emoji. Good on you. So now we're at the point where uh, the people who pick their teeth with their toenail clippings are saying that that's not really the real DeMar Hamlin. He died on the field because of the vaccine. And they've been using a fake DeMar Hamlin ever since. I'm not kidding. Oh, I buried Paul. Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. God, people are stupid. But it's Titanic Tuesday, and we do celebrate, or at least take note of, profound instances of Titanic right-wing intellect and thinking that there's a clone Damar Hamlin or a substitute Damar Hamlin out there because Dr. Fauci's trying to keep people from finding out how deadly the vaccine is. Well, that's the country 
we live in. What's that, Kyle? Um, I hate to give the maggots any credit at all, but they tried to say that the government covertly killed him. Is that an admission that the government has covertly killed black people? Just asking... You're not giving them any credit. You're just kind of acknowledging, well, Fred Hampton, anyone? Not saying. Just saying. Told you it was going to be a night. And maybe I feel better about thinking maybe I didn't have any business behind the microphone. Because we got so much more stuff. There's a new candidate. This takes some explaining. I'm sure Dave in the Blind is, is well up on this. There's a new candidate for the Senate, uh, the Senate seat in the uh, uh, from Talabandiana because. Um, has Senator uh, Michael Brown has decided he wants to be the governor of the Hoosier State. So he's not going to run for Senate in 2024. And up jumped a uh, member of the Talibandiana House delegation a real Lulu by the name of Jim Banks. And he says he's going to he's going to vie for the Republican nomination for that Senate seat. And he and which is interesting because uh, Representative Victoria Sparts, uh, the woman who wouldn't vote for. Yeah. Uh, for the weaker speaker for a very long time. Uh, she may she may go uh, in that primary too. Jim Banks is a Lulu. Uh, if I'm, not, I think this guy's like a Navy veteran or something, and I, so I wonder if it's something in the water. By the way, we've got another story about a Navy veteran here in a couple of minutes. Well, I guess somewhere in Talabandiana, there's a program on the radio called The Pat Miller Show. And because Jim Banks wants to uh, run out there and lock down the votes of all of those Hoosiers who pick their teeth with their toenail clippings and mouth uh, mouth walk and knuckle breathe, maybe they breathe through their eyelids like the lava lizards of the Galapagos Islands. I don't know. But he know he knows he knows his constituency. Jim Banks does, and so he went on when he went on the Pat Miller show. Jim Banks said, uh, "Well, we need stronger laws to keep pregnant women in Indiana from being able to leave." Wrong accent, Rob. From being able to leave the state. Oh, that's too north. Indiana's just flat broadcast standard, isn't it? Our work as a pro-life movement is far from over. 
If a young lady can hop in a car in Fort Wayne, and an hour, in an hour and a half she can be in a place in Michigan, or in just under three hours she could cross the line into Illinois and achieve what she was able to do with abortion clinics here in Indiana, the fight is far from over. What's he want? I mean, are we going to, is, 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 is a woman of childbearing, I don't, tracking devices in her, in her, in her uterus? Seems like that might serve as an IUD and prevent pregnancy. Oh, maybe we could, maybe they can just, uh, the, the tag her behind the ear. I mean, you know all these young women today. They pierce everything. They they won't object to having like a little little tracking tag in one of their ears. Once one of them has it, they'll all want one. Them with their pink hair and their blue hair and lesbian ways. Yeah. Maybe just close the borders of Talibandiana and put up checkpoints and. Uh, no, no people capable of bearing children are allowed to leave without a ah maybe a, a, a certificate suitable for framing and a secret decoder ring signed by Jim Banks. I mean, I've got the audio. Might as well deal with it. Get the bucket. Our work as a pro-life movement is far from over. If, if a young lady can hop in a car in Fort Wayne and in an hour and a half she can be in a place in Michigan or in just under three hours she could cross the line into Illinois and achieve... But what if she's in French Lick? ...what she was able to do with abortion clinics here in Indiana. The fight is far from over. That, that's exactly right. And I, I, I'm for... Uh, federal legislation. I'm for stronger laws at the state levels. Whatever we whatever we can do to save lives, to protect babies. That that's what this fight fight is all about. He's for tough legislation. Thanks for calling. We uh, we wait all night for calls like these. Sometimes it's no fun being Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Indianapolis. He wants tougher federal and state legislation. Anybody want to tell me what that would be? How do we make Talibandiana safe for Jim Banks and his fetus fetish? And the sad thing is, this you know th- this will this will solidify some votes for him. And if Victoria Sparks decides to get into the race, she's got some work to do to out fetus fetish Jim Banks. Tougher federal legislation to stop people from crossing state lines. I may be wrong, but I remember when there was a country or union of countries that 
did that and closely monitored how and when and where and who could travel. Hmm? I'm so old that we remembered a country that, that, that I can remember that we used to refer to country, a country that did that as a, well, an evil empire. And, of course, he wants a national abortion ban. You're right, Ralphs. I don't... And, of course... People in Talibandiana eat this shit up with a spoon in each hand and probably a couple clutched in their prehensile toes. Uh, Kyle noting, uh, they're so pro-life and pro-freedom, they try to keep people they don't like, see women in the LGBTQ community, from being able to travel to get fucking health care. There's a word for that. Ed's screaming at this point. Oh, Kyle, it's been a while. You're right. It had been a while since I heard from you. And I hate, I hate the fact that maybe I've got you screaming again. If you cared about babies and kids that much, you'd increase social programs for them. Sorry, all caps. I'm, I'm all worked up tonight. Breathe, Kyle. Breathe. Letting go now. Letting go now. <sighs> Letting everything. Uh, uh, true, true. Going back to DeMar Hamlin, uh, uh, Stephen New York suggests cowbell for some pretty good trolling. That was pretty good trolling. They only they only let the fake DeMar Hamlin put that out there to make people think we're crazy. We're not crazy! So, since Jim Banks is doing this, you can expect other maggots to... Do the same. Uh, Randy Radar says uh, they, won't, they won't be happy until women are property again and the anti-child child labor laws are gone. Interesting you would say that, Randy, because I just happen to have a story that works perfectly with that. Uh, it's one of those, hmm... Moments. Up to 50, pretty sure it was 50, up to 50 children, as in not adults. Up to 50 children were recently found to be working the overnight shift cleaning a, we used to call them slaughterhouse, but a meat packing facility. Maybe we don't even have to actually get rid of the child labor laws. <laughs> Just don't bother to enforce them. Let me see if I can find it real quick. 
I thought I had it saved. Yeah, there they are. I mean, not there they are. There's the story. A sanitation contractor employed dozens of children at meatpacking plants in Nebraska and Minnesota, according to the Department of Labor. The children were working at plants owned by meatpacking company JBS and the poultry processor Turkey Valley Farms. The Department of Labor sought an injunction in Nebraska federal court against uh, Packers Sanitation Services. In that instance, 31 kids had worked for the company in oppressive child labor. The kids ranged from 13 to 17. They were hired to do dangerous tasks like cleaning hazardous equipment during overnight shifts, you know, before they went off to school in the morning. These children cleaned the kill floors. They cleaned the meat and bone-cutting saws. They cleaned grinding machines and electric knives. And because, of course, because capitalism, because Merca, the greatest country in the history of the world on Earth now today, forever in the universe under God, um, none of them were fluent speakers of English and had to be interviewed in Spanish. They were both young boys and young girls. And the details that emerged were something past horrifying. PSSI is directly imperiling the health and well-being of minors who went from their overnight shifts cleaning dangerous machines with caustic cleaners straight to their middle school. Minor child B, aged 14, fell asleep in class while minor minor child P, 15, um, left the interview because they had to go home and get ready for school. And a number of the children... Had to, uh, uh, had to be treated for chemical burns from the caustic cleaning agents as well as other energies. And the company, of course, intimidated the minor workers to keep them from cooperating with investigators. And then when PSSI found out that they were being looked at, they started trying to dummy up the records. The investigation's been going on since August. Uh, getting it right for a change, local law enforcement had uh, tipped off the labor uh, labor department. That there might be child labor violations at the plant in Grand Island, Nebraska. Hmm. Grand Island, Nebraska. Grand Island, Nebraska. If memory serves, I seem to recall that there was a real problem at a meatpacking plant in Grand Island, Nebraska, back during the pandemic. I may be wrong. PSSI, of course, denies all claims. 
We have an absolute company-wide prohibition against the employment of anyone under the age of 18 and zero tolerance for any violation of that policy, period. And of course we're cooperating with the, with the investigation. We'll cooperate more after we've got the uh, paperwork completely uh, dummied up. It's a hell of a thing. But until, say, you know, there's a conviction and the president and CEO of PSSI is sent off to a really unpleasant uh, correctional facility for a lot of the remainder of his life, nah, I'll probably just bring the charges against the corporation and you can't send a corporation to jail. You can just fine them and, well, there's always more money. And there's more little Spanish-speaking 13-year-olds who can be press-ganged into working the midnight shift. Lee in New York, child labor. We know what the Republican reaction would be. Democrats would have put them in the sex industry, in a pizza parlor, in the basement. Oh, no, no, you got to stay up to date. Oh, the Democrats would have transed them and told them they weren't really boys or girls, and they're in a third and fifteenth and sixtieth gender. Yeah. And I'm proud to be an American where my kids can work the midnight shift. Well, not my kids. Well, Mexican kids. It's okay if they work the midnight shift. Cleaning bone saws. Well, one would think that it is. Randy Radar says, I think that's obstruction of justice, isn't it? Dummying up the files. Well, it should be. But once again, we're faced with the problem that we continue to see. Namely, that uh, the lack of accountability leads to a frequency of uh, violations. Oh, George, I kind of wish you hadn't read, written that, but you're not wrong. Holy shit. Uh, George says, now we know what happened to all those children separated from their parents at the border that the government could never find. Grand Island, Nebraska, midnight shift. Cleaning crew. George, I wish that made less sense to me than it does. Because the, 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 the evil gang that had this country in its grips for four years, from January 20th, 2017 to January 20th, 2021, wouldn't put it past them, would we? Not for a damn minute. And Jude says, children, precious Hispanic children. It drew me to wonder if some of these children were in some of the detention centers, like the Clint Custom Border Site outside of El Paso, where the boots were being present during that horrendous time when the little ones were removed from their mama's and papa's care. Aching hearts for those awake and compassionate. You know, a civilized country would actually have laws in place that would deal with this shit. 
A civilized country would go in and arrest the CEO at 3 o'clock in the goddamn morning and lead him out in his boxer shorts in the freezing Nebraska winter and go and have a little talk with him. Put him under about a million dollars bond. Cash bond, damn it. None of this personal recognizance stuff. See, there's a reason we don't shouldn't get rid of all cash bond. The CEO, the CFO, the COO. Put them in the same cell together. Let them sort it out whose fault it was. I have a mean streak. I actually have a streak that would I it would uh, um, like to see laws applied equally to the wealthy class as with as much vigor and retributive intent as it is to the folks what don't got no money nor property. Uh, absolutely horrifying evil, but I don't think George is wrong, Kyle says. Civilized country, as in not the United States, and you catch my meaning. Yeah, you do. Take a quick look at what we have done in the last hour and ten minutes. Look at all the stories we've covered. Pretty astonishing. I know sometimes I wear a story out. Just absolutely wring every last little particle of information out of it because I want to understand I want to understand it in its totality, and I know you do too. That's the nature of our community. Because sometimes I sometimes I I, I well I I kind of critique myself every every day after the program ends. And I can uh, I can say, yeah, you got to this, but you missed that. Or why didn't we talk about And for instance, you know, we're we're an hour and 10 minutes into the program and I haven't said anything about the latest discovery of classified documents. In this case, at Mike Pence's house. Oh, the worm turns. Our pal, uh, our pal Joy in Ann Arbor, upon seeing the news of Mike Pencil Net Geek, uh, informed me Uh, that uh, I was cleaning the cat's litter box and found some classified documents. Luckily, as a lefty, I speak meow and was able to interrogate her. All's well. Docs have been returned. I hope she doesn't need a special counsel, to which I replied, you mean a special persecutor? <laughs> I have I have issued a directive as head of household here at the at the magnificent Kincaid Mansion. I've issued a special directive that all cereal boxes are to be emptied and any special prizes therein are to be inspected to make sure they contain no classified documents.
I'm still waiting to hear the Republicans start screaming for uh, a special prosecutor for Mike Pencil, that geek. I think everybody's lawyering up and going through, but going going through the shit in the attic. And maybe it's just because I'm a simple country girl. But how, how do you, I mean, okay, Nitwit Nero is a different story. Nitwit Nero was deliberately carrying this shit off in boxes enough to fill up a, a, a rider rental truck. Because it took one of those to take him away. He had a use for them, and has probably already used them for that use. You know, a little, little sale here, a little sale there. Hey, buddy, you want to buy a classified document? Hey, Bonesaw, the first one's free. Just cash out the billion dollars to Jared. <laughs> And there's classified, and then there's unclassified, and then there's there's various and sundry levels, and some stuff that can be classified may not be actually classified anymore, but there's a process. Which apparently was not followed. I mean, I assume they're stamped in red on the top. You know, classified? How do you oopsie that? Oh, missed that one. So at some point, if you want to talk about that, we can. Um, uh, let's go over and find out who's on the stress line. Oh, by the way, uh, $600 fundraising goal. Uh, we goose-egged last night. It would be great if we could maybe take care of yesterday, and then we'll worry about today, tomorrow. Um, but two goose-eggs in a row. Gets a little worrisome. Hey, welcome to the program. You mean to tell me that Adolf Hitler's great nephew is running for governor of my beloved state? <laughs> I do, Dave, I do. You spoke my name and summoned me, girl. You know this. I kind of figure I was, but I mean, you're 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 the Taliban Diana correspondent. You can you can track the entire history of right wing impulses throughout the, the throughout the history of the entire state. That's what they done sent you to college for. Well, and my education has done me good. Uh, the uh, you mean you mean to tell me they learnt you things? Well. I did not graduate from the uh, Jethro Bodine uh, math department at IU, but uh, then again, I kind of avoid uh, ciphering the figure like someone else I know. Uh, nothing ever, nothing good ever comes from it. Go, go ahead and ask me any question, and I got the call letters of the. Uh, radio station that program probably comes out of. It's uh, WIBC here in Indianapolis. 
They are a right-wing station, let's call it what it is, a goose-stepping bunch of Nazis. Wait, WIBC, um, we're irritable bowel condition? I, yes, ma'am. I do believe that is what the acronym stands for, or uh, bends over for, or, or squats for. I'm not quite sure. Easy, easy, easy it. with the dinner it's, hour. All right. <laughs> Come on. I danced right on that edge. But uh, yeah. Irritable bowel condition is, is, is definitely breaking out in Indiana. Um, the, uh, the thing is, uh, everything you have said so far is absolutely correct. Uh, only in Indiana would you stop being a state senator for one term to run for governor. Um, unless you want to oh, execute people. Well, I mean, but, but yeah, you know, Mike, Mike, Hair Senator Brown is from the United States Senate, so he's done got government and uh, he done got government and experience, just like Jim Banks. He's been there long enough to learn exactly everything needs to be done to control them uteruses. As far as, as far as moral rectitude, Jim Banks is overdrawn. Uh, and, um, oh, it's just going to be a, a right-wing dance fest. And, of course, the uh, Indiana Democratic Party, what Indiana Democratic Party, uh, will put up some respectable individual who will die a horrible political death once again because they haven't learned their lesson since uh, since Obama was in office Who's, who was uh, Evan Bayes uh, lieutenant governor he died of a, a brain, brain aneurysm in Cincinnati at a conference. A decent man, but he was the last decent full-term governor that we had. Um, and I, I doubt we can coax Evan by to come out and run for the governor's office again. Um you really need somebody who's going to fight fire with fire with these people. And it's needed to be done for the last, oh, 50 years. The, the Democratic Party, ever since Reagan started mumbling in 76, uh, the, the, the Democratic Party in Indiana hasn't been worth shit. And I'm being kind. Well, isn't it functionally as much? I mean, Talabandiana has about as functional a Democratic Party as Alabama does, or for that matter, West Virginia. Yeah. I mean, the mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogshead, who served in the Congress for a while, came home, ran for mayor. You know, he's. He, he, um, 
he's a he's a decent guy. He's a guy who could if he ran for for governor. I think he could win because he's the kind of guy who can actually connect with people. I mean, he's been a federal prosecutor. He's he he's got the litany that you would want in in a good political candidate in a conservative state if you want to get anything done of any liberal value. Um, the the thing is you've got the the the, the Trumpettes like Jim Banks, Mike Pence, uh, who I believe that, that they that they should name a special prosecutor just for him, regardless. I mean, what, what's, what's good for Biden is good for good enough for Pence. So, come on, Garland, let's chop, chop. Uh, you know what's going to happen, Robin? With them finding documents with Pence, it's going to be one of those situations where all of a sudden, it, it, all this mess is going to stop because people are going to realize that under normal circumstances, a couple of documents here and there may get mixed in with uh, private papers or, or, or personal belongings. Okay. And depending on the classification level, yeah, they should be examined. Absolutely. That's why I think uh, President Biden inviting the FBI in to search his home for any remaining documents is a smart move. I mean, he's voluntarily submitting to searches, and he wants to make damn sure that they get every document back. Okay, I can see that. But when you get you you have to understand the disease we're in. Um, you know, I can understand your frustration because there's a murder a minute in, the, in this fucking country. Um, by the way, the uh, the man in in, in uh, San Mateo, he was a convicted felon. He should never have had a firearm or ammunition under the laws of the United States. But because good God-fearing right-wing dickheads want to cry about their Second Amendment rights being the first thing we should think about, um, you get these assholes selling under the table. And I, I would wager that's how the weapons and ammunition got started. Because from what MSNBC was reporting yesterday, the police found when they searched his home, uh, another, another firearm and ammunition and reloading supplies. Uh, can you say gun nut? Oh, yeah. 
and, and so as far as we've got, and I'm not talking about hunting weapons. I've said this before. I'm not talking about shotguns or hunting weapons. Um, you know, most 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 states require if you're using a rifle that you limit the number of shots that rifle can deliver at any one time to give the prey animal a chance. Uh, they restrict the type of weapon that can be used in hunting. I don't hear anybody yelling and belly aching about their Second Amendment rights concerning that. I'd say that's a pretty uh, reasonable restriction. But for these military-style weapons, the kind of weapons that even in the military you don't get a hold of unless you're actually on duty and have to use them, um, they get locked away in a building called an armory, you know, that have controls over who's got what, where, and when, and how much ammunition. I've filled out that kind of paperwork before. And that, believe me, Robin, that's not something anybody wants to do. I was in the JROTC and I handled ammunition for the rifle team. And I had to fill out three pages of stuff. And I had to check out each weapon to each shooter. They had to sign for it. Uh, there, there were so many controls on but you didn't hear any of us complaining about, about our rights because we were told if we were going to be on the rifle team, these were the procedures we had to follow. And that whole well-regulated militia, they seem to forget that kind of thing, the right-wing nut jobs do. So no, and I agree with Annette, it is a civil war. And it's about time that those of us on the non-crazy side of things start laying the wood to these assholes. And I mean, open up your wallets, open up your purses, break out the piggy banks, you know, run bake sales and whatever else we love to do. But we fight them with money. I would love to take your idea of of maybe gathering enough money to get five or six medium market radio stations out there to counter some of this. That's a great idea. And we've got talented people in, on our side of the fence. Uh, WCPT in Chicago is a liberal station. And uh, they have been operating for nearly a decade now, I think. Well, actually, longer than that, because I used to call into a radio show there uh, during Nitwit Nero's run with Mike Pence, and I called in to one of their programs, and I discussed with 
the gentleman that was running the program, how I thought that would be the end of Mike Pence's political career. I still stand by that, by the way. He's too, he's too tainted by having to talk to Democrats at any time in the last 50 years to uh, be electable by uh, the maggots. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Mike Braun is ducking back into Indiana because he's not a real popular senator. He, uh, he's kind of a dude. Well, it's not, but, uh, even, uh, in, but even if he's not popular, Dave, come on. It's not like there's a Democrat out there that's going to pose, that's going to pose a meaningful change or, or a meaning, meaningful challenge to him for all intents and purposes. Um, no offense, Talabandiana no, is Talabandiana is just Alabama with worse weather and cooking. No, wait a minute. I I I, uh, I happen to like the uh, the state casserole. Uh, There's a state casserole. Yes, ma'am. There is. Well, tell me, tell me about it. I, I'm glad to know that it, it actually heartens me that the legislature of Indiana found time to create a state casserole. Oh, this was years ago. Is this the green bean uh, casserole they, they with the have, cream of mushroom soup and the yeah. and the and the and the French's French fried yeah. onions on top? Yes, ma'am, it is. Because I will take I will take car, I will take cards in that game. Especially if, you, especially if you use the little French cut slivered green beans and put oh, in a, yeah. and put in oh, some oh, put oh, in oh. some slivered almonds while you're at it. Uh, leave the almonds out because in Indiana they might get mistaken for roaches. That's two days. <laughs> you're getting close. <laughs> but uh, just. No, if you're if you're going to make it from scratch, which I've never seen anybody do, they just generally use the uh, Campbell's cream of mushroom soup and yeah. dump it all in and bake it off. But the other thing is, and I don't know if it's an official sandwich, but what goes good with the uh, with the green bean casserole, which is ubiquitous at pretty much any special occasion in Indiana, is uh, the uh, deep fried tenderloin, pork tenderloin. Oh, yes, yes. I, I I went to school with kids from uh, from Talabandiana, and they would wax rhapsodic about a deep fried pork tenderloin sandwich. Oh yes, and not too far behind that is the uh, fried bologna. Now wait a minute. Um, no, no, no. That's cultural appropriation. Some hillbilly brought that to well, Alabama, Indiana, when they moved well, west out of the hills. Well, I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying that I don't know what we have our share of hillbillies in this state. Bumpuses. You know, so so then the fact that there's fried bologna in this state doesn't surprise me a bit. That just says that you've got what you've got uh, former West Virginians. Fried bologna, well, a, fried, a, fr- a fried bologna and fried egg sandwich will 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 soothe the hillbilly soul. I promise. 
The the hardcores put a little mustard on it. It'll cure what it kills me. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you got your, you got your protein group. You got your you got your mustard group. You got you got you got your your, your bologna group and your and your and your egg group. You know you, because see the trick. Here's the trick. You fry, you oh god, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of your salt group. You fry the bologna mm-hmm. first, and that'll render out some of the god forbidden grease in the bologna. And you get a nice black crust on the bologna. You set it aside, and then you fry the egg in the bologna grease. And you get the pretty little lace edge on um, it. And you and you and yeah and, and, yeah, and and you make sure that you don't fry it. It's got to be runny. And that, that, that I don't know I don't know a hillbilly that won't just you know you know you could probably right you could pro- you could you could probably lure a criminal hillbilly out of the holler just with the scent of a fried bologna and egg sandwich. Now, now what is your position on onion on fried bologna? Because here in Indiana, that's the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You're not, and you're not talking about sautéed onion. You're talking about fresh cut onion. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about you slice that onion down the middle, and you take a nice round hunk out of it, and you put uh, it on the sandwich raw. Yes, and you put it on the sandwich, and it's raw. Just make sure you get the little skins off of before you cut. Right. No. See, you get. get and see, this is this is one of those moments where we can do a little bit of West Virginia history. Once upon a time, when Appalachians, Appalachian people, left Appalachia, going to Indiana was called going out west. Yeah. 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 Because you just, time, you, just you just went right. You just you just went until the land got flat and stopped. That's far enough. And stopped. Well, and if you go if you go to where the land is flat and then go south, you're back in hills. Yeah, because you're right. Because there's hills there along the Ohio River. Right. Right. Well, yeah, they they extend they extend they yeah they extend over into uh, uh, they extend over in, into Illinois because my dear friend uh, Jeff Biggers is from was born and raised there and of course the coal company went and blew the living bejesus out of those hills too Shawnee National Forest. Well, you know. Um, They'll bitch and complain if they can get twenty-five cents worth of coal out of any bit of dirt in the United States, and they'll spend millions to get that quarter's worth of coal, and ask the federal government to reimburse them. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, let me ask you: How is Christine? Christine is doing well. Um, Please send our love. uh, I will. She's had a problem with uh, kitties who don't remember the litter box rule. Oh, dear. So she called her vet. She called her vet, and the vet advised her to put two more litter boxes down because she has three cats. And um, we've had to call the... uh, 
the management company of her trailer park out a couple of times in the last month. One, when it got so cold earlier in the month, her furnace went out. And since she can't press buttons real well, she had me call them. So I did. And they waited until 12 o'clock the next day to answer. And what it was was that there was a valve that was clogged. And so the furnace shut down. The furnace did what it was supposed to do, and Christine had been telling them for over a year there's something wrong with the furnace, and they, by God, kept coming in and saying, no, there's not. Well, her, uh, her dream last weekend in the bath, in one of the bathtubs was draining real slow. So I called them again. It, again, it took them eight hours to get to her. This is supposed to be emergency maintenance, you know. And so I looked up the corporate parent company of her, her community, and there is no way to get a hold of them by phone. It's all by email, and it's all directed toward buying a trailer now in various places around the country. So I told Christine to get. She has a uh, she has a legal plan where she has a law, a law firm at, at her beck and call. So I told her to order up a couple of. Um, Meeting attorneys, have them go over her contract, and then when she goes to renegotiate her con- her contract, she can lay the wood to them. So sounds good. Yeah, yeah. that'll keep She's that'll good. keep our girl busy for a while. Yeah. And by the way, Ralphs just jumped in and said, "Tell Dave, in my opinion, and 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 Ralphs is a cat spurt." It's one litter box per cat and one extra. Yeah, that, that's basically what, what what the vet told me. So she's because they get territorial about them. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. Speaking of kitties, how are, are, are Miss Lucy Purr and, and and the crew doing? Well, Miss, um, they're they're well. They are well. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you didn't hear much from him in yesterday's program. I don't know if you were listening, but uh, Soxrates was absolutely an, a total gentleman in here last night. He didn't yowl or meow toward almost toward the very end of the program because he comes in when it gets and, ugly and cold. And usually, if and I did, if I open the door, he's standing there. It's like I mean, the program. Pardon. Did he try to help you engineer the program? Uh, no, no, um, he's not allowed to do that. Uh, but it, well, it, he just because the cat's not allowed. Well, that's right, and we're trying to cut down on the the, the attempts, frankly. Uh, but I was I, I was actually um, 
the girl the girls follow me to the bathroom without fail, and so Mocha was in there with me, and you know she's like fifteen or sixteen, beautiful um, Siamese, uh, beautiful Siamese. Although I don't think she's uh, she doesn't have the really pointy muzzle like a Siamese does. She's more. I think they call her a. Uh, I think she's called a Thai. But she's seal point and blue eyed and beautiful and tawny and so she was standing there. I was washing my hands and she was standing there on the on the counter by the sink when she decided she wanted a better view and up she went onto my shoulders and I was washing my hands, you know, doing the whole, you know, sing happy birthday. Yeah. And right. and, and she just perched on my shoulders, just proud as she could be, you know, enjoying the view. I'm like, will you please get Man, down? A pirate, yeah, will you? Yeah, parrot cat. And so she was, she yeah. was just, she was just standing there on my shoulders, and uh, and I was like, will you please get down, please? And as soon as I said please, her little claws went a little further into my dainty and delicate, uh, delicate uh, uh, bio girl flesh, and I was like, well, no, I guess not. So I wound up all the way down on the floor. Just kind of leaning over, you know, sanctuary, sanctuary, until she got the hint and got off of me. Uh, the boys are well, good. Well, you're only human. Uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle, Kyle's a big, fluffy, uh, smoky, gray kitty in search of adoration, and um, all in the world he wants to do is 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 crawl up on a net and lay his head in the in the crook of her shoulder and purr. That's that's his. And you know, cling to that her. Sounds like Stomper. That sounds like Christine Stomper. He's affection, Kitty. You know, he's but he gets cra- it, it, he gets he, he gets cranky if you if she doesn't want the affection at that point, and it, or or she decides it's affection. Wow, you know that kind of thing. I better not make that noise or well, he'll start he, in the bedroom. He's the kind of cat that if, if somebody else comes in the room, let's say you or Bird or somebody comes in the room and then they're automatically part of his attention. Well, yeah, and, but then he just and, turns and around he, and goes, he, no, he, he just, he gives me a quick look and then says, oh, it's you. And goes back to. <laughs> so he goes back to Annette. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you know, some, some cats have their humans. And, and they're. Sounds like everybody's spooked out theirs. Well, and, and. You know, little little Lucy is is just nothing but love, and anywhere anywhere well, I am and she well, is, she's gonna be on me like a duck on a June bug. I, I can give Chris a good report on on how how the cats, the Kincaid match, and they're doing, and I will pass that on to Chris about the litter boxes. Uh, she has a little life hack that. She used when we had dogs, and she took a a clear plastic um, storage container, one of those you know that you pack old clothes and blankets in, and she cut the top uh, a hole in the top, and then put the litter box down in the uh, in in the. Uh, in the container, so the dogs would be discouraged from going and getting a snack. Huh? And it also gives the cats a little bit of 
You can't okay, you, you know, you, you ran right up to it and ran right up to it, and this time you just blew past it. That's dinner in the uh, Central Sorry. Daylight Time or Central Standard well, Time Zone. We 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 should put a warning out when I call in. Yeah, you know? Crunchy with a squishy it's center. There, let's just make it worse. <laughs> uh, I did not go there. That's oh, you took me there. Real. You took me there. Dave, you have a good night. Give Christine our best, please. I will. Oh, oh I, I got. I, wait, wait, wait. I got. I got. I got one more thing, because uh, Stephen New York chimed in and said the Indiana State casserole. I have relatives in Indiana, Fort Wayne, Richmond, Williamsburg, and Centerville, so I am qualified to weigh in on this. The Amish ground beef and noodle casserole. Uh, this state is home to the third no, largest. This state is home to the third largest Amish population in the world. Enjoy this beef and noodle casserole to get a taste for the simpler things in life. I think I have, just from the looks of things. It, it kind of looks like it might be a sort of Midwestern Amish take on lasagna. And frankly, it looks really delicious. I can't tell if that's ricotta cheese or sour cream or both. But I've had a casserole in the past. I've had a, I've had a casserole in the past that was that was hamburger and 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 noodles and cheese and there was like sour cream ricotta in it. It was fabulous. One thing I know about Amish cooking it's very simple, um, but it's delicious. Oh my god! Oh yeah! I, I I I used to live in an area where there were a lot of Amish people. And let me tell you, I got some peach preserves at a farmer's market. Oh, one see time. that? Yeah, that happened. That happens to me every time. Every time I'm coming back from Florence, I go up US 43 North into Tennessee, and that goes through Lawrence, Lawrenceburg, and then Etheridge, Tennessee. And there's a significant uh, Mennonite community there, and they sell fried pies and preserves and stuff. And there's none better. And my parents, uh, you, and I know people do, still do, uh, they'll uh, go up there and they made their, their own molasses, sorghums. Uh, sorghum is different. Well, we'll sorghum is a different plant from sugar cane. They made sorghum molasses, yeah, we, and it came in a paint can. It came in a paint can. Yeah, you, know, you had to take the lid off with a screwdriver, just like a can of paint. Uh, Ooh. And oh, all those all those all those sorghums were so good on a hot biscuit with butter. Uh, I I I've never actually had sorghum, but I've been around them when they cook it, and they cook it a lot like maple syrup. Yeah, it's the same process. It's a matter of boiling down. Yeah, right. And uh, but uh, I'm going to have to look up that recipe. But I would imagine it sour cream because there's a, a, a large Swiss and German component in the Amish community, um, and and so that would make absolute sense. Um, and 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 I got to share this now because uh, I ran across this the other day. I was telling uh, uh, I was telling Annette and our daughter Margie about it. I would never have thought of something like this. Maybe it's something that other people knew, but I, but um, in this state, we lose our minds over what is referred to as hot dog sauce. 
other people will call it chili because it's right. kind of the same consistency or whatever. But it's yeah, when it's little can here. Yeah, but when it's put on a hot dog around here, it's hot dog sauce. It's not chili. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's I learned. I learned a trick to making it. I'd never seen this before a couple of weeks ago, and it makes total sense. And the next time I do it, I'm doing it this way. Because before, just, you know, you treat the ground beef like you treat the ground beef. You know, you put it in a skillet, and you fry it, and you, you know, sop the grease out of it, whatnot. No, Mm -hmm. you do not do that. You just leave it in there. No, you boil the ground beef. I know you're going to go yuck. But you boil the ground right. beef. You boil the ground beef in water. You let it boil till it's you know cooked, you cooked hamburger. Run it through a colander. No, you just drain it. You drain it and you press it and you get all the and it takes all the grease away too, and it makes it makes the consistency of the ground beef much smaller. So you don't have you don't have chunks. You, it's it's much more it's much more granular, I guess you would say. Yeah. It, it makes it easier to go on the dog. And then you know you mince up your onions or whatever you like in it, and you sauté them till they're tender. You put it up, and you put it in a pot, and you build your sauce around it, and boom. What I did, I cheated. I bought three cans of the hot dog sauce at Kroger's, and I put ancho chili powder in it. Oh, that's nice. I have. I have some I have some hatch chili powder provided me by uh, Dr. John out in New Mexico. Not green, but red. Well, I, holy may, shit, that stuff's hot and it's chili. good. Well, since I know you're a spicy kind of girl, go ahead and slap some of that in, in your in your hot dog sauce and see what it I does. I am not afraid. Yeah, I, I think I, <laughs> um, you know the only problem now is. Oh, I tried the keto hot dog buns. It was terrible. They were awful. It was like having it was like having a hot dog wrapped up in packing material. Now, still... I've been diagnosed with diabetes for over twelve years. You know, actually longer than that, almost twenty. Um, one thing I would suggest. I know you're 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 trying to cut out sugar, especially the processed stuff, and cut down your salt, keep your blood pressure down, and all that. No snorting metformin. They put Christine on extended uh, release metformin last week because she was having problems with the the usual problems with metformin. Uh, but when you're eating bread or crackers or anything like that. When I started, it it was a diabetic exchange. In other words, certain number of carbohydrates, all that. It's a little inaccurate, but 25, um, 25 grams of carbohydrates is equal to one bread. And you can eat 
a couple slices or one slice, depending on what it is. Uh, your in-between meal snacks will be like crackers and cheese where you have five little cracker sandwiches with a little bit of processed cheese or something like that or, or a salami sandwich or something like a half sandwich of peanut butter or something like that. Just oh, God, salami and onions. Quit it. Salami and onions. Now, you can have as much onions as you want. No, I know. And mushrooms and things like that. And when they told me I could have as much mushrooms as I would, I went out and bought three pounds of them. And and um, have they scheduled you with a dietitian yet? No, no, I'm not going to do that. Remember, remember, remember me, Little Miss Uninsured. Yes, dear. But um, they might be able to refer you to a, a diabetic class at the hospital, and those are at no cost. So far, so far, so far. Actually, I ran into the dietitian from uh, one of the local hospitals um, at a little eatery over in Fayetteville, and I because they were the, the girl she was with said, "Yeah, diabetic." I turned around, went, "Girl, same." She went, "Socks," and I said, "Socks." And then her friend said, "I'm the dietitian over at Fill in the Blank Medical Center." And if you ever if you ever want to talk about it, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a you can eat anything dietitian. Just be sane about it. And I said, great, I'll maybe come see you. But so far so good. You know, I'm waking up I'm waking up every morning, and generally I see you know my my first blood sugar in the morning. I'm seeing a 120, and I'm not upset about that. No, um, you shouldn't be. That's within normal ranges. Um, you know, if I was waking up and seeing 90, I'd feel a lot better. But the thing is, my body is such right. that if I get down to 90, I'm going to feel like I'm going into hypoglycemia. It's just the way. Right. And and I, wish, you, I wish somebody would have told me when I was. I wish somebody would have told me when I was young that the fact that I was constantly having hypoglycemic events was probably a telltale sign that I was on my way to diabetes as an adult. That would have been handy to know. Nobody said that. Yeah. Well, I found out that. Cerebral palsy is a contributing factor in my diabetes. And I used to walk all over Bloomington, and the nurse told me, she said, yeah, that probably delayed the onset for a few years. You know, I just, don't, I just don't want any parts of me getting lopped off. That's real big for me. Just watch... Not just your blood sugar, but your blood pressure. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, you know, I t- I've been taking a blood pressure pill since I was thirty. Um, okay, but uh, do you monitor your blood uh, blood pressure? I do. Okay, good. Good. Um, as long as it's within good ranges, you're fine. Oh, the last time I was at the doctor, I was uh, what was it? Uh, you know, one twenty-seven over seventy-two. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Well, Robin, I'll 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 give Christine an update on how things are going. Please do, and have a lovely evening and stay warm. It, you know, it's going to be spring someday. That's all I can say. 
Someday. Well, right around my birthday, which is just when I need it, you know. See, that's perfect. April 8th, when that comes in, uh, a couple of years ago, the weather was perfect. I went back to Muncie, and my sister brought out a cake that had all those trick candles on it. Oh, I love those. And I teased her. And I, said, I, I said, where's the fire extinguisher? Because there was no way in hell I could blow all those out. No. Th- those are vicious. Oh, and I did find out before right, you go, Robin. I did find out, yes, that Amish beef and noodle casserole is, in fact, Amish lasagna. And it's got both sour cream and cottage cheese in it. I knew oh, it. well, I knew then it. I will have to, I will have to, I will have to look that recipe up and, uh, and because I've got egg noodles that are made with egg whites. Oh. And oh yeah, they're they're not the regular egg noodles. They're they're, they're made just with the egg whites. Um, if there's one part of my diet I adhere to, the dietitian looked over at me and said four eggs a week. I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. Wait, why? That's really the only part of my diet. Four whole eggs a week. Is that because of cholesterol or? Yeah, I'm concerned with cholesterol. My cholesterol has always been good. My cholesterol is usually like and one, one, my cholesterol. Oh, Jesus, this is old people talking about health data. we got to stop. Dave, have a good night. All right. Well, you too. All right. See you. Say hi to Christine. Bye. Good God, if it went on another minute, I would have been to talk about my lumbago and my mustard plasters. E. Uh, if you try, Brother Deacon Asa just told me if you try the boiling the ground beef thing, when you do it, use a cool pan, cool water, and the ground beef out of the fridge. Don't put it in hot, in the hot. And uh, Asa says there's physics behind it. I love science. I trust I trust Brother Deacon Asa in these things. So we're coming up on the end of the second hour of the program. Thank you so much to Ralphs. Ralphs put a challenge on the table and said. Uh, that I should name it uh, myself. So it will be the uh, Mocha Get Off My Back Challenge. Uh, $25 gets matched by Ralph's so that we're not a goose egg this evening. And that would get us down to $550 to go in fundraising. So thank you, Ralph's. Thank you so much for being there. And uh, hopefully that'll get met. And the lines are open if you want to jump in. Let's see here. Um, Well, it's, hey, look, it's Tuesday. We've got the green news report from Brad and Desi. Uh, let's see. To, let's see what those two wacky kids are up to, shall we? Do let's. It's Tuesday, January 24, 2023. 21 lives have been lost. We had nine atmospheric rivers uh, going back 22 days. Damages from California's storms to top $1 billion. There are you know, no known connections between any of this um, offshore wind activity and any uh, whale stranding, regardless of species. Nope. Offshore wind did not kill whales in the U.S. Northeast. Plus, hand-feeding manatees in Florida appears to be saving the species. All of those surprising stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Joyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Oh, you're obsessed with gas stoves. No, you're obsessed with gas stoves, buddy. (laughs) Okay. 
Fox News' top paid personality. You okay, Tucker? You all right there, buddy? This is your Green News Report. (laughs) Okay, Dizzy Doyen, aside from the... Uh, whatever insanity is going on over at Fox News these days, out here in California, the governor just announced over 1,400 rescues in this chain of storms over the past three or four weeks. Yes, it's quite remarkable. In California, that series of punishing atmospheric river storms over the last few weeks has ultimately helped to reduce the historic 22-year drought plaguing the U.S. West. But the cost of drought relief is steep. Preliminary estimates of Damages to buildings and infrastructure alone caused by the floods and landslides are expected to reach at least $1 billion. At least. Forty of the state's 58 counties sustained damage. In a tour of devastated areas late last week, President Biden noted the rising costs of extreme weather disasters and pledged the full support of the federal government. The people in California, I say it again, the country is here for you and with you. We are not leaving till things are built back and built back better than they were before. You can recover from storms. We'll be with you every step of the way. Is he allowed by law to say build back better anymore? (laughs) Apparently it's still okay. Oh, okay. Biden also said FEMA will help those who are uninsured and underinsured, which is good because AP reports that only about 2% of homeowners in California have flood insurance, which is separate from homeowners insurance. And that is the case in most states, in part because people don't know they need flood insurance because federal flood maps do not accurately predict all kinds of flood risks and haven't been updated to account for increased risks from man-made climate change. Experts warn that California and other states should invest more in flood defenses to prepare for even bigger flood events in the future. Or at least invest in new maps? Overall, in the U.S., in 2022, extreme weather disasters displaced 3.3 million Americans. That's according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau. That 3.3 million displaced includes nearly 1 million people in Florida alone. But everything's fine, Florida. Don't worry about a thing. The Biden U.S. Department of Agriculture is also appropriating $930 million to reduce wildfire dangers in 10 western states through a new comprehensive wildfire prevention program that includes intensive clearing of trees and underbrush from national forests. But Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the new program is hampered by the shortage of workers that has been plaguing other sectors of the economy. Vilsack also warned that draconian budget cuts floated by by House Republicans would decimate the Forest Service's firefighting efforts. A disturbing increase of whale deaths off the East Coast since 2016 is likely due to collisions with ships and fishing gear entanglement, not activities of the offshore wind industry. Are you sure? Because Fox News suggests otherwise. That's according to scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Scientists. Now, critics of offshore wind power have tried to link the whale deaths to the industry's prep work on proposed wind power projects, but no scientist to say the wind industry's sonar mapping of the sea floor is a very different technology from the oil and gas industry's high-energy, omnidirectional seismic guns. Benjamin Laws, deputy chief of NOAA Fisheries, said that where a cause of death could be determined for the enormous animals, it appeared to be primarily boat strikes and fishing gear. We do not 
have evidence that would support the connection between the survey work and these recent stranding events or any stranding events in the last several years. There are no known connections between any of this offshore wind activity and any whale stranding, regardless of species. Finally, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has restarted hand-feeding manatees along Florida's eastern shore to prevent the threatened marine mammals from starving during the cold winter months. The primary food supply for manatees is seagrass, but that is dying off due to human pollution and runoff. And the program appears to be working. Hundreds fewer manatees died in 2022 than previous years. Hand-feeding them. Yes. That does not seem sustainable to me. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. That's right, boy. You can do it. Feed me Seymour. Feed me all night long. Those wacky kids. Uh, back to uh, the final hour of this Titanic Tuesday edition of the Horn. Uh, like I said, if you want to... Oh, now? Okay, now now we're going to hear from him. Wow. Yeah, we know. Hi, Socrates. I brag on him, and then he makes, it, then he makes a liar out of me. Wow. Yeah, we know. Uh... Thank you so kindly to Women Standing. Thank you so much. Uh, focused on the children after the story in, out of Nebraska and Minnesota. Um, Ralph says, uh, get, off, uh, uh, get off my back mocha challenge has been met. So we are now down to uh, $550 to go to keep all the plates spinning on all the sticks. Um, let's see. Uh, where to go next? Um I mentioned the other day that this uh, this new documentary is premiering at Sundance, Sundance Film Festival, and it's already creating quite a stir. Uh, Justice is the name of the documentary. It premiered this past Friday at uh, the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. Free Speech for People, a group, says that the film includes important new details about specific allegations of sexual misconduct by Kavanaugh, brat, also reveals disturbing new evidence of misconduct by Kavanaugh and his associates. Sox, please. Um, in other words, they've got evidence now that there was a concerted cover-up attempt among people who knew about the sleazy conduct of Brat back when he was a Yaley. And people, and of course it was hastily ignored during the confirmation hearings because, by God, the Federalist Society had their man, they had him nominated and they were, by God, going to see him confirmed because they had shit they wanted to get done. Um, among other things documented in this film were uh, what was done to Christine Blasey Ford when they were in high school but there was also the uh, incident where he exposed himself 
and compelled a young woman named Deborah Ramirez to touch his dingus. Jesus, he's disgusting. Amy Hurdy, a producer of the Justice documentary, said, I do hope this triggers outrage. I hope that this triggers action. I hope that this triggers additional investigation with real subpoena powers. And Free Speech for People has already lettered uh, Merrick the Magnificent Garland and Dick Durbin. Sorry, that was shitty. Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, and Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin and Ranking Member Chuck Grassley uh, seeking a probe of Kavanaugh based on the information that was uh, disclosed in the film that had never been disclosed before. In the letter it says, Some of these details were sent to the FBI during its brief compressed investigation into similar allegations during Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings, although the FBI did not follow up or interview the relevant witnesses. And what's more, now new, more tips are coming forward with the film being out. This guy's a sleaze bag. He's disgusting. In particular, the pertinent part of the letter says, more dis- most disturbing, however, is new evidence of conduct by Kavanaugh and his associates, perhaps even before his accusers came forward, concerning the 2018 Senate hearing itself. For example, the film shows a 2018 text message discussion amongst mutual acquaintances of Kavanaugh and Deborah Ramirez regarding Ramirez's soon-to-be public allegations that Kavanaugh had exposed himself to her. According to the text messages shown in the documentary, Kavanaugh asked a mutual friend to go on the record to defend him. Another friend referred to it as a cover-up. This indicates consciousness of guilt and therefore evidence that he may have knowingly perjured himself in the confirmation hearings and a potential conspiracy to obstruct and defraud the Senate by coordinating a false information campaign. Naturally, the FBI's National Press Office did not have a comment on the documentary, but uh, offered up a hearty excuse. Within half an hour of the news getting out that Doug Lyman's documentary Justice was added to Sundance, new tips came pouring in. Um, the FBI claiming our services relating to a nomination process are limited to fact-finding and background investigations. The scope of the background investigation is requested by the White House. The FBI does not have the independent authority to expand the scope of a supplemental background investigation outside the requesting agency's parameters. Agency. So, in the case of Kavanaugh, they went back, did absolutely nothing, packed up everything in a box, nobody else got a copy, and they sent it off to the White House to be buried. Wonder if that's one of those boxes that was down at mar a ass. Can't help but wonder. People were literally terrified to participate in the film, but they participated anyway. Uh, Ly- uh, the director, Lyman, uh, speaking to the Guardian, said this was the kind of movie where people are terrified. The people that chose to participate in the movie are heroes, and I agree. Um, and with the uh, with the with the film, and also with the uh, what would have been the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, 
protesters have showed up out in front of Brat's home, which they have a right to do. You know, First Amendment, petition the government for redress of grievances. Uh, and they are now uh, protesting. Uh, one uh, breathless headline said, Protesters swarm Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home after bombshell documentary about sexual assault allegations premieres at Sundance. Swarms? They were wasps? Honeybees? Swarms. Uh, remember, Brat couldn't get, he could only get 50 votes, the bare minimum it took to give him a lifetime appointment as a law unto himself on the Supreme Court of the United States. So, uh, On what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, protesters gathered um, over in Chevy Chase, Maryland, around 5.30 p.m. this past Sunday night. The crowd chanted, cut his time short, a rapist should not rule the court. And, of course, the crowd also yelled, no privacy for us, no peace for you. And, yeah, the tips other people who knew about what a shitbird he is and was. And, the uh, you know, previously the FBI got 4,500 sexual misconduct tips against B-B-B-Brat, sifted through them, decided which ones were relevant, and then handed them to Trump's lawyers. Jesus, he's disgusting. But then again, there's a hashtag that's going with the movie. Now, hashtag, now do Clarence. Yeah. Nitwit Nero responded to uh, the fact that Mike Pencil Neck Geek has found some classified documents, or his lawyers have. Oopsie. Nitwit Nero jumped on his uh, rumbling, bumbling, uh, rickety, falling apart social media platform and said, Mike Pence is an innocent man. He never did anything knowingly dishonest in his life. Leave him alone. Leave Brittany alone. Uh, and the fact of the matter is those, 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 two, those two do not like each other anymore. Uh, but I'm sure Mike still thinks of him as daddy. And I mentioned we uh, when I was talking about it, I, th- I thought Jim Banks had done a, some, a stint in the Navy, and I said we had another story of uh, a sailor. <sighs> well, we do. The Supreme Court, our most puissant dread sovereign Supreme Catholic Majesties, have issued their first opinion of the term this past uh, Monday. And in true uh, true form for this gang of 
Well, wait a minute. No, that's not going to work, is it? The first decision that they have issued for this term was a unanimous one. Nine-nothing. And this is a perfect example, and we've had others, of how the idea of a liberal versus a conservative wing of the court is less than factual. All nine justices agreed on Monday to fuck a disabled sailor. Really. A man named Adolfo Ariano served honorably in the United States Navy from 1977 until 1981. At one point in time, he was posted to a an aircraft carrier. That aircraft carrier was involved in a collision with a freighter in the Persian Gulf. As a result of which, um, Adolfo Ariano was almost swept overboard. And he watched his shipmates get crushed to death. These are the undisputed facts of the case. After that happened, Adolfo Ariano, through no fault of his own, began to come apart. He began displaying symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, bipolar disorder developed, schizophrenia developed, tardive dyskinesia developed, and he became severely disabled incapacitated even to the point that his brother has ever since served as his legal guardian and his caregiver this matters not a good goddamn to any of the nine people sitting on the Supreme Court of the United States the opinion was written by the handmaid who um, in his article at Slate Mark Joseph Stern points out was actually a civil procedure professor, professor at Notre Dame. The legal issue at work here is the fact that his statute of limitations ran on filing his disability claim and so every, his entire existence has been entirely on his own with the help of his one brother. Because he was incapacitated, Adolfo Ariano didn't even know that he qualified for VA disability benefits. And his brother, remember, he was honorably discharged in 1981. Thirty years later, his brother found out he would have been eligible for the benefits. And in 2011, his brother filed for him 
and sought retroactive benefits for 30 years. The VA said, okay, we will give you compensation starting in 2011, but we're not going to give you compensation for the 30 years that you could have had it, but he didn't know to ask. Because there's a statute of limitations that says active duty service members can't have retroactive compensation unless they file within one year of discharge. Ariano was entirely too busy being disabled to do that. Because that would have been sometime in 1982. The case becomes a little more hateful because... The, uh, the, the, the the body of law that the Supreme Court has relied on in the past contains a concept called equitable tolling. A statute of limitations is said to toll upon injury. You know, if you have a car wreck on January 1st, 2000, if you had a car wreck on January 1st, 2000, 23 here in West Virginia you would have until July the, or January the 1st 2025 to file your case two year statute of limitations statute, statutes of limitations with the word statute in them are driven by laws statutes they are created creatures the equitable tolling idea that was argued by Adolfo Ariano and his brother's counsel says that an extraordinary circumstance can allow for the claim to go forward when the extraordinary circumstance was a uh, 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 was the preventing principle to keep someone from filing being thoroughly and utterly incapacitated from 1981 until 2011 is pretty pretty extraordinary one would think that a civil procedure professor from a, a, a state from a school as highfalutin as Notre Dame would have known this but the supreme court said Damn, sucks to be you. Our six dreads, uh, uh, most puissant dread sovereign Catholic majesties said, sucks to be you, Adolfo Ariano and your brother. And then Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and Katanji Brown-Jackson all said, yeah, really, sucks to be you. Too bad. This is sickening. Of course, this is the kind of cruel and heartless ruling that somebody like uh, Anne's boy Neil, who once argued in dissent that a black man should have frozen to death in his truck instead of going for help, absolutely love. Now, the statute says what it says, and we're not the legislature, and we're not here to... Bullshit. 
Mark Joseph Stern points out the case of uh, the Edgewood Arsenal veterans in which service members were subjected to excruciating and, as he writes, unethical chemical testing. It went on from tw- for 20 years, from 1955 to 1975, and the service personnel who were subjected to the testing were told that they would be charged criminally if they ever said a word about what had been done to them. They eventually got compensation. This is hateful. But I'm sure it just tickled the shit out of old balls and strikes John Roberts. Because this is a kind of a balls and strikes decision. And he got a nine nothing. Uh, he, he got a he got a nine nothing ruling out of it, which just thrilled him to no end. And since he's chief justice and it was nine to nothing, he had the right to assign who would write it, and he assigned it to the handmaid. Even though at oral arguments, old balls and strikes, it said, you know, given all the exceptions that are out there, and there are lots of them, the insistence upon strict enforcement is really not that important. Instead, the plethora of exceptions seems to me to make it more likely that you ought to stick with the normal rule of equitable tolling. But, no... I wonder I wonder if, you know, barely out of high school kids who, as a function of the poverty draft, that's what we call it, you know, kids who have no other opportunity. You know, the best hope they've got coming out of high school is to, you know, maybe go to work at Wally World or fast food or something like that. And that, that military recruiter looks kind of attractive. And so the kid signs up. I wonder, and you know the recruiter doesn't say, listen. If you get so fucked up that you're not even going to know you can apply for uh, for veterans benefits, <laughs> too bad. Because see, the VA said he could have them from 2011 going forward. But whatever care Adolfo Arellano got from his brother came entirely out of, presumptively, Adolfo Arellano's brother's pocket it was not his responsibility it was ours you me us we the people you know provide for the common defense people but no no nine people on the supreme court who will never ever 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 have to do anything even remotely touching or dealing with that kind of horror said Sucks to be you, dude. As Stephen New York said, oh, dear, dear Robin, it's not as if the guy put his life on the line by serving in the military or anything. Support the troops, y'all. Just fuck the veterans. And so, as it always is with with the Supreme Court, one case is at the bar. 
But the number of people who can potentially be fucked out of this is almost incalculable. You know, we find out every day that the things that people that we send to do the nasty business of warfare experience can be pretty horrifying. I know people who served in the uh, in, in the Iraq and Afghanistan debacles, and they're still dealing with it. They came home from the war and so did everything that happened to them. And they ha- and and even under the best of circumstances, they have to fight like junkyard dogs to get a goddamn dime in payment for what they gave to this country. When it should be freely given. Adolfo Ariano is not some malingerer. I can't imagine what it must be like to be trapped inside his head and living that moment of that collision. Hearing the screams of his shipmates. Nearly being thrown overboard himself. Nearly being killed himself. And of course the statute of limitations was far too long gone. And I bet, and I bet there's some sort of a, uh, an immunity involved. Uh, you know, for suing the freighter. Pretty good guess that it was an oil company. I mean, Persian Gulf. You know, operating out of some, you know, Panamanian, uh, operating with a, you know, under a Panamanian flag or something like that. Not a good sign. And I'll go ahead and be a little bit petty with this, too. I don't know how. Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and Katanji Brown Jackson can agree with those other six punks on what on, on, on what what to put on a goddamn pizza, let alone whether to fuck a veteran. It sickens me. I saw this case earlier today and it's like, oh, I didn't need to be reminded that there's no such thing as a liberal wing of the Supreme Court, but here we are. There's something just dirty about this. And and to sit there and, and be a law unto yourself and know that you have the power to help this man's life. I mean, they could they could have at least dissented and say, listen, you know, we've taken to writing these opinions that say that uh, eh, this opinion won't count for anybody except Adolfo Arellano, just like we said, like this court said, there was an opinion that would only have to do with George W. goddamn Bush. But no, you get a nine nothing a nine nothing decision. But the agony, the misery, the suffering for thirty long years of one man was not even hardly worth their time. 
And if you want to read some bad writing, you can go and read this opinion, Amy Amy COVID Barrett, the handmaid. Well, she's no Justice Harlan. Hell, she's no she's no RBG. And I wonder if Mr. Arellano even knows how badly he was fucked. So sad. And the VA's a hot mess. You know, every time a Republican gets into, into office, well, there's the VA. Oh, we love our veterans, support the troops. Remember the, the remember the Walter Reed medical story, uh, the, the heartbreaking crisis of years gone by. We like them when they we like them when they can break things and kill things and blow things up. We just as soon forget when they come home. The decent thing to do, of course, would be for some member of the House and Senate to introduce a bill making sure that Mr. Ariano gets his compensation, every goddamn penny of it. I wonder if that will happen. Actually, realistically, I mean, do we have any idea... We talked a lot back when George W. Bush started his war against the innocent people of Iraq. We talked about depleted uranium munitions, and there were report after report after report about what those depleted uranium munitions were doing to the populations it was used on. And then we talked a little bit about what it was doing to the soldiers and Marines who were using those depleted uranium munitions in, uh, you know, in, in artillery uh, units, because they were breathing the blowback, they were breathing those particulates. Uh, if if somebody if somebody gets cancer and doesn't file within a year, only after finding out that the cancer was caused by the depleted uranium. They're fucked by this decision. And that's probably partially the motive for fucking Adolfo Ariano. Because some bean counter somewhere probably has a pretty good goddamned idea of what it's going to cost down the road when Iraq and Afghanistan veterans start coming down with something that they can't explain. And it turns out to be something like depleted uranium munitions or burn pits. Plenty of talk about burn pits. Well, this case says that uh, they just may be out of luck. Now, Randy Radar says, just makes you want to run right out and join the military, doesn't it? Not. And adds, the government counts on the vets not to talk about it. 
I hope there are veterans organizations out there that are screaming to high heaven about this decision. And, you know, just because you're the three liberals on the court doesn't mean you get a pass for this nastiness. Uh, Randy adding, my former neighbor was a World War II vet. He didn't talk about it either. No, the ones who saw the worst quite often didn't, didn't talk about it at all. My father only would when he had gotten a snootful, which was his form of medication. A lot of self-medicating going on out there for trauma. Really? Um, 24 minutes left in the program, and... Uh, I thought we well, jump in if you want to if you want to talk about this or anything else. Well, that's true. Stephen, New York says depleted uranium and burn pits. There's always tots and pears. Oh, I bet you, brat. And the handmade and Sammy Bad Breath and Fappy. No balls and strikes. You know, all I bet they had lots of tots and pears. And a laurel and hearty handshake while we're at it. Disgusting. Oh, and um This is kind of, I mentioned Victoria Sparts earlier. Remember she was the uh, woman during the uh, uh, Speaker Palooza who couldn't bring herself to vote for weaker speaker and voted present. She's from Talibandiana and rumor had it that she was thinking about going after Mike Brown's seat. Well, lo and behold... I, I find it difficult to say this because she's a maggot, but apparently she's a maggot with some degree of consistency. She has dared to stand up against weaker speaker. Because Kevers, in order to satisfy his hopping up and down weirdo right-wing nut POS base, made a promise that he would make sure that uh, Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff weren't on the intel committee shifty shift it was a it, it was a sop thrown to the maggots and also Ilhan Omar well lo and behold Victoria Sparts issued a statement saying that uh, Two wrongs do not make a right. Speaker Pelosi took unprecedented actions last Congress to remove Representatives Green and Gosar from their committees without proper due process. That, of course, that part is horseshit because they engaged in conduct, at the very least, unbecoming to a member of Congress, or in the case of Paul Gosar, the demon dentist of the desert, outright homicidal. But then she said... As I spoke against it on the House floor two years ago, I will not support this charade again. Oh, dear. 
That was a shot right across uh, weaker speaker's bow. Charade. Now the Republicans can kick Schiff and Swalwell off the uh, Intel Committee unilaterally because the rules of the committee allow for that. It's not the same, however, with Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar and I think Foreign Relations. Yeah, Foreign Affairs. They will have to have an entire vote of the entire House in order to remove her from that committee. And for all I know, these uh, these these hopping up and down, poo playing, poo flinging maggots will probably try to kick her off every because she wears the headgear. Assholes. And so Victoria Sparks gets a vote in that and gets to speak up and speak out. And he's already got two other members of his caucus who are saying, uh-uh, I'm a no on this. That would be Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina, Stan, and David Valadao of California, each of whom have voiced their displeasure with the plans of the weaker speaker. If one more person speaks out, he's not going to be able to fuck Ilhan Omar like the maggots want. A uh, a report on Axios said that vote could come as soon as this week. House Democrats Steering Committee is meeting Tuesday evening, that would be this evening, to recommend committee assignments. Compounding matters for Republicans is the fact that, oh, there he is, uh, Greg Stupid of Florida has now announced that he's going to be out of D.C. for several weeks after he... Uh, decided not to call the guy and went tree trimming uh, down in Florida. He'll be out for several weeks as he recovers from injuries sustained from falling off a ladder. There seems to be a there, there should be a better way of describing that injuries sustained in uh, in uh, pursuing his Darwin Award injuries I'm so, I, I should be I should be more sympathetic but then again this is a guy who supported the uh, terrorist attack on the seat of constitutional governance in the United States, so mm, I'm a little conflicted. So that's one, two, three, that's four votes. Sparts, Mace, Valadao, stupid. Is that enough to stop his plans? Or will he perhaps turn around and decide, you know, the very morning, remember? The very morning that Greg Stupid fell off the ladder, 
about 7.44 that morning, a weaker speaker had proudly tweeted, there will be no more proxy voting. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's time to return to, yeah. I wonder how many times he's said to himself, I hadn't sent that. But they made me. Everything I didn't want to do, they're making me do. I hate this. I want to be a real speaker like Nancy was, not not subject to having one little weirdo call for me to be thrown out and five members of my caucus and all the Democrats be able to do it. It's not fair. And it says, Stephen, New York, bring on the turmoil. Yeah. Gee, Kev. I hope it doesn't hurt too much. I mean, you've got your own caucus members calling your little stunt a charade. Yow. And then there's Tony Grungy. Did we talk about... No, we have not talked about this. Oh, by the way, Victoria Sparts went further than saying that she uh, won't participate in the charade. Victoria Sparks went so far as to uh, tell uh, Kevers to uh, stop bread and circuses in Congress and start governing for a change. Eesh. That's going to leave a mark. No, Tony Grungy. Oh, we'll get uh, we'll get there. Ah, uh, yesterday we talked about the great uh, M and M's war. Well, testicle toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson has declared has declared that uh, he has won, that he has defeated the mighty forces of M and M Mars. Well, for most of its history as a company, Mars Inc. was known for making candy, Milky Way, Skittles, Snickers, and most famously M&M's, which they claim melted in your mouth but not in your hand. But over time, churning out delicious and highly lucrative calorie bombs was not enough for Mars. Its executives wanted to be Starbucks. Sure, our product is unhealthy, but we're woke, so please don't notice. So in its ad campaigns, Mars set about making its M&M characters as unattractive as possible because when you're intentionally repulsive, it's clear you've got the right politics. You know, when you are an allegedly full-grown man and you're describing cartoon characters based upon whether they are attractive or not, well, let's just say I'll bet his browser history is a real Lulu. I mean, even Jerry Falwell, when Jerry Falwell was waging jihad against Tinky Winky because Tinky Winky carried a purse and was purple like the queers like uh, he didn't he didn't announce whether or not he found Tinky Winky attractive I know I know Socrates I know he's he's a weird freak isn't he yes so the green M&M lost her sexy boots the brown M&M her stiletto heels 
The orange M&M, meanwhile, became a poster boy for the mental health crisis and would henceforth, quote, acknowledge and embrace his anxiety because America badly needs more neurotic candy. Then late last year, Mars went further. The company added obese and distinctly frumpy lesbian M&Ms to promote, quote, feminism and how can... I know. Lesbian M&Ms. Frumpy M&Ms. Frumpy lesbian M&Ms. You know, they're CGI, they're, they're, they're CGI M&Ms there. Testicle toasting talkie. You, you, you proud advocate of the manosphere, you. That's not a frumpy M&M. And I'm dying to know what makes him so certain they're lesbians. I mean, this is this this is just you know he's just re, he's he's recycling old Rush Limbaugh shtick about how liberal women are ugly women who can't get a date, and that's why they're and that's why they're liberal, my friend body positivity. In other words, explained the Mars Corporation, it's good to be fat. Have some more M&Ms. <laughs> well, we reported on this at the time and pledged a deeper investigation into it. But before we could complete our investigation, Mars announced that it's suspending its ad campaign. A chocolate vendor promoting obesity was just too shameless even by modern standards. But at CNN, they were infuriated by the news. News anchors who have not had a carb since the Bush administration became hysterical as they defended Mars's pro-fatness campaign. CNN political analyst and notably unhappy person Kirsten Powers attacked this show for our, quote, misogynist, anti-trans, fatphobic garbage rhetoric. You know, which it is. How, I, how, does, how, does, how does he qualified to talk about how many carbs that woman's had? It never ends with these freaks, does it? it one of these days, Tucky's going to get upset about a cartoon character or a piece of candy, and he's going to have a fucking stroke. And Well? Congressman Richie Torres of New York did the same. So did Bloomberg and Forbes and the New York Times. It made you wonder if all these people are secretly being paid to flack for corporate America. Probably not. They just can't stand the idea that candy isn't political says a guy who's making candy political and talking about frumpy lesbian M&Ms it boggles the mind it, it, it does frumpy plus size lesbian M&Ms I think he secretly has a thing Stephen New York says, welcome to the Twilight Zone, lesbian M&Ms. I can honestly say that I've never once cared whether a fucking cartoon piece of anthropomorphized chocolate was wearing high heels or not. Well, Steve, of course you haven't. I mean... Um... 
I was going to write, Ralph says, that maybe M&M's wear go-go boots. Well, the green M&M was wearing go-go boots. Really? White, cute, white go-go boots, but then they put some sensitive, sensible shoes on her. And that outraged Tucker Carlson. Really, do you, do you think, I mean, it's New York. Everything is for sale in New York. You think he gets done at work and maybe hires a sex worker to put on the green M&M's? Not the, not the sensible shoes. Wear the go-go boots. Tell me I've been naughty. Can you be a frumpy lesbian? Oh, I, no, I, I make millions of dollars a year. I'm going to hire I'm going to hire two two girls to put on the M&M boots and and I'm going to watch just like my god emperor watched hookers pee on a bed in Moscow. God, that's so hot. Somebody needs to check his calendar. Uh, oh, well thank you for that, Frank. Uh, Frank writes in from Iowa. Cowbell award recommendation. Hey, Robin, how about a cowbell for you and your chainsaw sound effect yesterday? And add the sound effect whenever you mention this guy from Florida, the one who doesn't call the guy to clear the tree limbs off his roof. I can already smell the two-cycle oil. Thank you, Frank! made me smile. Uh, Tony Grungy. I'm kind of running out of time, but I really want to get to this one. Because we spent some time um, dealing with this back during the, uh, during the uh, election cycle. Tony Dungy. I'm sorry it rhymes with Grungy. I can't help myself. Um, I saw it a second ago. It was bad enough. Okay, so Tony Dungy issued this stupid fucking tweet. Now, this guy is paid to do one thing. Talk about football. He won a, he played, he coached in two Super Bowls. He played one. He played, he, I mean, he coached in two Super Bowls. He won one. He was a player for the Steelers at one point. And he's always been a big Jesus freak. Yeah, okay. And so this past Friday, he went and talked and, and gave a talk to the fetus fetishists uh, about the uh, precious little fetuses at their march for life. And in so doing, he referenced the cardiac arrest of De- DeMar Hamlin. Remember, the, 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 we talked about DeMar earlier. And uh, said that, that well, it, it, you know, it's just like abortion. Stops that makes his heart stop beating, or some stupid shit as that. And then, then, prior to that, though, he had put out a tweet.
since deleted. In which he went there. We dealt with this on a number of, in a number of different programs. You remember the you remember the litter box libel. Yeah, those kids are so they don't even know who they are anymore. And there's some children want litter boxes in the schools. It was uh, it, it it was debunked roundly and soundly, but that didn't uh, that didn't matter. It kept on being repeated, and uh, you know, Joe Rogaine shared the litter box libel. Lauren Bobblehead Bobert shared the litter, litter box libel. Gubernatorial candidate in Minnesota, uh, a member of the N- Nebraska legislature, people I know on, on, on social media. No, I swear it's true. My kid told me, came home from school and said there's kids that want to be cats. I know, I know. But that, it was so debunked, I thought it was finally gone the hell away. But nope. Nope. Responding to a tweet from, you know, Matt Walsh and little Benji, my wife doesn't get wet and I'm married, Shapiro, uh, about Minnesota House member advocates for bill requiring menstrual products in boys' school bathrooms. Not all students who menstruate are female. This is true. Trans boys need access to period products. I don't know why this is so hard to understand, but there's Tony Dungy who saw it and said, that's nothing. Some school districts are putting litter boxes in the school bathrooms for students who identify as cats. Very important to address every student's needs. I liked it a lot better when we lived in a country when things like that were, you know, jokes on radio shows. Now it's taken as gospel, but and and NBC has circulated a memo, but Tony Dungy is going to continue to work for them. So much for cancel culture, huh? And you know, you know, it's bad when it reaches all the way to my filthy morning habit. Offended half of the audience here that are watching Morning Joe this morning. Let me go ahead and offend the other half. Right. I'll That's give good. a great example that has to do with NFL. Tony Dungy, great former coach, uh, but he, and great analysis analyst. Uh, he decided to go to the pro-life march in Washington. Uh, there were columns written about him comparing, uh, you know, everybody at the pro-life march to QAnon, to to truthers, to January 6 types. No, Tony Dungy. Uh, he's because there's a shitload of overlap movies. there. Venn diagrams, and he's pro-life. Forty percent of Americans, according to the latest Gallup poll, are pro-life. Do we push him to the side of the conversation, or do we figure out a way to let a guy uh, have his own beliefs that forty percent of Americans have as well, and still be on TV without catching a lot of crap because? He decides he wants to go to a pro-life march. I think that's true of all, almost all the issues. I mean, he feels strongly about that. Other people feel just as strongly about a woman's right to choose. Right, or take, exactly. Or, 
take the issue you began your show with this morning. There are those who feel that yeah. Second Amendment means there can't be any restrictions whatsoever on their right to acquire this or that gun. Other people say, hey, I've got an absolute right to public safety. So one, how is it we potentially compromise? And I would say it's not just about civility, that's part of it. We've also got to get people who feel strongly to get involved, to get informed and get involved. Right now, I would say groups like the NRA have a disproportionate amount of clout. They're involved in the political process. There's nothing wrong with being involved. But those who feel just as strongly about you know, the other point of view, they also need to get uh, involved. You know, Joe, in my experience, politicians aren't always responsible, but they're always responsive. And if there's political pressures on various sides of an issue, then I think we'll see differences. But take the midterms. More than half the eligible voters in this country didn't bother to vote for whatever reason. Some may be good reasons, maybe bad reasons. But the fact that more than half of the Americans who could have voted didn't vote, that tells me something. There's a lot of scope in this country for more people getting involved, and then they can advocate for whatever political position they think is right. So, Richard, the book, of course, deals with the habits and duties of being a good citizen, a citizen of a democracy. And we've talked a lot on this show in recent years about how our democracy has been more under threat now than any time since the Civil War. Election denialism, January 6th. But you are a foreign policy guy. So as you look around the world and see other governments, does that make you, despite the turmoil at home, more convinced that democracy is the way to go? This has to be how we do this? Oh, absolutely. Authoritarian governments tend to make big mistakes because they don't have people involved in decision making once they make a decision. They tend to get locked in. If you, how can a leader admit he's wrong or this or that issue? You don't really have public involvement. So I think we have tremendous innate advantages, but you know, the, the real issue is whether we will operate our democracy in a way that those advantages can come to the fore. So it does mean getting people involved. It does mean correcting uh, our mistakes. It means teaching about our democracy. You know, Joe's an optimist. The old Churchill quote, Americans can be counted on to do the right thing, but only after they've tried everything else. Okay, well, we're clearly in the trying everything else phase. The only thing I'd say is what January 6th taught me, what the last few years have taught me, is we shouldn't be quite as sanguine as we were. Yeah, you know, we've always come through in the past. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'd like to believe we'll come through in the future. I just don't believe it's automatic. Good things uh -huh. don't automatically happen. Right. So what we actually need are American citizens to get to get more informed, to get more involved. And yes, then good things will follow. But it won't just happen if we're passive or if we're, if we're inactive. So to, to Richard's point, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm not very hopeful, as you know, and I'm, I'm not as optimistic as right. you. Um, but I, I found reason to be on Friday. I had drinks with a young woman, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. She was working and asking for advice, nothing to do with the media, had nothing to do with Washington until January 6th. Right. And she didn't, she said to me, I, I did not realize how patriotic I was mm -hmm. until I saw what happened, and I changed my entire trajectory and went to work in Washington. Right. And now she works on Capitol Hill, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is incredible. Oh, we, we really we have. We need the young people. As long as she doesn't work for a Republican. We really have seen that, uh, Richard. Um, uh, post January 6th, we also we also saw. During uh, the low points in the Trump presidency, a lot of young people deciding they were going to go to law school. I heard that from law school deans, admission directors, that, that especially with the younger people, there has been this, this, this need to get involved and make a difference. Uh, a couple of follow-ups. First of all, uh, um, you say we have to 
uh, admit when we make mistakes. Well, I, 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 I let's just say when I talked about Tony Dungy, uh, it was incomplete. I had read, read tweets about how he had been attacked for going to the pro-life march. But also, uh, Alex just sent me this. Tony Dungy apologizes after spreading debunked anti-transgender conspiracy theory. So there's uh, two sides to that story or actually multiple stories this weekend about Tony Dungy. So let me put that out there. Obviously not something we want to encourage at all. Weak, but something. And by the way, just to put a bow on all of this, he he did at the pro at the march for fetuses. He rode Demar Hamlin's back. Those prayers were answered. Demar's recovering now. He's home. He's been released from the hospital. But what's the lesson in that? An unbelievable thing happened that night in a professional football game with millions of dollars of ticket money on the line. That game was canceled. Why? Because a life was at stake. And people wanted to see that life saved. These are people who aren't necessarily religious. They got together and called on God. Well, that should be encouraging us because that's exactly why we're here. Because every day in this country, innocent lives are at stake. The only difference is they don't belong to a famous athlete and they're not seen on national TV. And, don't, and they don't have a functioning brain. And they don't really have a heart. And they look more like a sea monkey than they do a human being. But those lives are still important to God. And in God's eyes, I added the sea monkey part. But it was true. It was absolutely true. You know, you can fool... Uh, you can make a monkey out of a fetus fetishist by showing them a picture and saying, you know, of, of, it's, in the, it's in the womb. It's, is this a human being? And they go, of course it is. And you go, no, dumbass, that's a dog fetus. Oops. Well, I ran over, but uh, nonetheless, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for making this a... Uh, most energetic Titanic Tuesday. A lot of good input. Thanks, Dave, for calling. Thank you to uh, uh, Ralphs for the challenge, and thank you to Women Standing for the response, and thank you, Christopher. Uh, Christopher jumped in on fundraising, so we are now down at 540 to go for the evening. Um, And uh, Christopher said, another wonderful show. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you, Christopher. And thanks to all of our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thank you to our a la carte contributors. Thank you to each and every one of you who share their precious finite time, your precious finite time, engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Roger and Sparky in the chat room. Um, 
Oh, note coming in, going back to Tucky for a second. Note coming in from Brother Deacon Asa. I didn't see it till just now. Wait, hold on. The massive closet case who wore a goddamn bow tie on CNN for 15 years is complaining about someone else being intentionally unattractive? Well, let me ask you this, Rubber Tucky. When did you take Tinky Winky out of your mouth? <laughs> um, Asa. Tough thing to do during do, do to a girl during the credits, uh, but thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. I don't know if we've got Malloy tonight or not. Again, trying to sort out some technical issues, but um, if we do, he'll be on the air at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. If he's not there, you'll know it didn't work. Um, Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest folks I know, those at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net, 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia, and a proud union shop. Stay safe, y'all. Get that booster. Get your flu shot. I got both. I'm here. I'm fine. Um... Wipe down your surfaces, help stop the spread of RSV until tridemic season is over. And maybe there will be a vaccine next year for that. Mask time. Keep some KN95s handy in the car or your purse or your jacket pocket or whatever. Right there with your hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet like... Paul from Parts Unknown says, and uh, if some uh, sports analyst comes toward you saying, they're putting litter boxes in the schools for the cat people, uh, avoid that fetus fetishist like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later. <laughs>